another episode of Banter Town coming at you with me, John, and my friend John. I feel like you think this show is called Banter Town. Well, we toyed with the idea of calling it Banter Town. <laughs> and that was going to be like our like our podcast network, Banter Town. You're confusing Town the listeners. They think, well, I clicked on talk about that, yeah. and he keeps saying Banter Town. We call it Banter Town. <laughs> But it's not. Won't you take me to? Because we had already submitted all of the artwork at that moment. Uh, Major Town would have been a cool name. No. No, you don't think so? I think it's fine, John. You, okay. You've done fine. Hey, listen, you and I were beginning to speak off the air, and oh, I decided yeah. we should probably push record on this because we need to acknowledge what happened in college sports over the last weekend. And here's the deal. Um, the deal is... Some of our listeners don't want to hear about University of Tennessee athletics. Right. And we would like to let you know that we're sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that matters to us. And so we're not going to take a lot of time. We're not. But something, I mean, this was, I think, historically right. of a significant. Um, Historic upset. Yes. Like maybe the worst loss in school history. Would you yeah. say? Would you say? Yeah, okay. I would. So. Anyway, Tennessee lost to Georgia State, guys. Georgia State. Where is Georgia State located? Georgia. Do you know what part? No. You don't know. know. Do you know how many students they have? Do you know? No, it's probably not a lot. I know. Here's what I do know about them. Here's the stat you're looking for. You know how long their football program has been in existence? Ten years. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. That's not as long as us. No, no. And by us, I mean people I've never met. Right. Uh I don't want to take such ownership. And that's part of the deal, I think, too, is people were razzing us. A lot of listeners actually sent tweets like, I had a a pastor friend, you ready to talk about it yet? I was like, no, no, I'm not. Like, what? First of all, if I talked trash about UT all the time and how we're going to decimate the SEC and how we're world beaters, that'd be reason to be like, hey, let me have a little fun at Johnny's expense because he's a little too big for his britches. But that's not me. I never do that. You fit your britches just fine. I do. My britches are fine because they're elastic. Right. Um, do they say britches up north, I wonder? Or is that... Um, maybe. Big for your britches. I think that's a common... And technically, I think it's spelled breeches. You might say it's a... Yeah, it is spelled breeches. Yeah. Common colloquialism, John. Say colloquialism for me. <laughs> colloquialism. I got You're it right doing now. doing it. Just say it in the mirror every morning five times now. I told you I went to a follow-up meeting, and I really wanted to work the word in, because I'd screwed up if you're a first-time listener. The I'd word be terrified to do it again. I didn't do it, though, because I thought it might be... I don't know. Either he'd forgotten about it and I was bringing it You're back like, up. It's just like that common saying. <laughs> Expression. <laughs> you porky pigged yeah. it. Cluck, 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 saying. <laughs> so I was in uh, West Tennessee at a family reunion. Yeah. And the game was on ESPNU. Right. The U. And guess what channel they did not have in the cabin? Oh, what did you do? You have to watch it on your laptop or something. So I was trying to watch it on my phone. Oh, that's brutal. And then I lost some service. So I drove down. There was like a little marina, cafe, restaurant, Where you should have gone to enjoy your break, but you you drove to find Wi-Fi to look at your phone. It's no, just no, like, no. Like, there was this great little marina cafe. No, they had a TV. Drew, oh, okay. it was on. Yeah, they had ESPNU. <laughs> but you should have been enjoying the marina and the cafe. That's no, what football does to people. I did not enjoy it when I got there because That's what of I'm the, the game itself. Brutal. Well, first of all, from a keto perspective, the menu they had was all breaded. When I mean, you start with that, I couldn't <sighs> order anything. Couldn't order wings. Two losses. Two losses. Oh my that goodness! Day. You know, so you I'm, were upset by hush puppies. Oh my gosh! So I'm sitting there. And then it's just horrible, man. Like, we we looked. We looked pretty flat. Yeah. 
We didn't play inspired. And we can move off this, but I will just say this. By the time this airs, we may have lost to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> we, we really may. We may be 0-2 to two schools that are, you know, are not even Power 5. Although, again, I, I, I still have for some reason, like, not hope that we're going to be good this season, but hope that we're not that bad. Like a redemption. The whole, game, the whole season. Like, that, yeah. that, that that was a little maybe, bit. Maybe it's like the coaches got their attention now. Well, you know, that's the thing. Is like they're going to listen now. Maybe apparently there was a, a, a player only meeting called by some of the yeah. juniors and seniors. That's, and so knows those work. They you know got in there to talk about their pride and all those things. So yeah. in the program, we can't let this happen again. Churches ever do that? You have a big failure. You have a players. You have a, a staff only. Uh, yeah, well, I guess a, you, staff meeting. That's a, it's a members only meeting. That's bad. That's, yeah, that, members only is bad. That leads it's a bad jacket too. A, I love those jackets. Really? Nice. With the snaps on top. Dude, we should make members only jackets for church members. Oh, that would you be get, so funny. That would be great. And you give it oh to them as the. Yeah. yeah. You, I had. Here's what I had when I was in fourth grade. Members only was huge, right? I was right. in fourth grade. I'm young. I'm uh, older than you. Because you, they're probably big for you. Were in high school, right? You were already in high school with members only. I don't even know if I was. No, cool. you no, you weren't born. You'd have been younger. So when members only was a big thing, so it was already like. Yeah, I was probably like middle lame school again. When it, yeah, yeah. But I remember being in fourth grade, and we couldn't members only jacket. I can't remember how much they were. I don't have a concept of it, but I just remember that my mom brought me one home, and it was a knockoff. So it had the little black members only thing, but it didn't say members only. I can't remember what it said. Oh my gosh! And. uh I got made fun of. No way. Yeah, because it wasn't real. It was like uh, it was like wearing. Remember the Pro Wings shoes or Tracks or like Keds yeah. shoes, where they kind of had not a Nike swoosh, but it was kind of like a like a swoosh that had like broken a, off like its a, like a Nike snoosh. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was, it was like that. Uh, it was like I was wearing those. Wow. Which I probably also was wearing those <laughs> with the little Velcro. Yeah. I remember you could wear Sebagos with no socks, or you could get away with Eastlands with no socks because they were similar Eastlands. shoes. You could do one or the other. And I was Man, the things kids go. I don't know if kids still go through that as far as like wear the right thing or you're going to get me. Because there's so much. I see kids. I seem to see more kids now with like an individuality to them. Yeah. Where they dress kind of counterculturally right. and they're not mocked as much. It's almost like, well, that oh, kid's cool. got a funky sense of style. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I, feel like I took no chances. Yeah. I think for sure I don't have the individualism that the modern culture has in that respect to try to set the trend. But I will say this. Sadie came home and, and some kid in preschool, she yeah. was little, made fun of her shoes because they were knockoffs of something. Oh, my Which gosh. when they're in preschool, they're they're changing a shoe size like literally every month. Oh, like you can't yeah. go buy Nikes every yeah, I remember time. The first time I, I remember the first time I ever saw baby shoes, the, the baby Reeboks, which they're called Weeboks. Yeah. That's per, it's, and it's I perfect. was like, that's foot binding because those things were $30. <laughs> And those that kid's feet are going to be pushing through. Yeah. And you're going to be like, but I paid $30 for right, the shoes. Right, you've got to do it. Yeah. That kid's feet are going to be augmented forever because yeah. the parents are like, I'm not taking these wee blocks on this kid's feet. <laughs> He's got tiny feet. He's got tiny athlete, athlete's foot. Um, you know, the thing is, and I had this conversation, so I went to this reunion, and my she just turned 16. Is my, I don't know what would this be. This was Laura's the Labor cousins, Day weekend. Yeah, Laura's cousin's daughter so i don't know what that makes so her nothing to, to you so i don't know she's you know. no one john uh betsy oh, she's name. i'm sure she's very special she's she is so she's doing a really cool thing is that a cousin once removed how does that work i don't know well because it's by marriage for me i don't know oh but but i mean she was brilliant and, and so funny so she's very very like stylish yeah and so she started a company where she's renting out her clothes a 16 year old yes 
So the deal is to people in the area, it's like, hey, if you have an event and you want to go, people are constantly – and she had, she's like making up stuff and everybody likes it. She's real, she's real humble about it. And she said, so I just thought all my friends are borrowing my clothes, you know. I should charge him for it. It's kind of her joke. Wow. And so the deal was now people she doesn't know, but they know her. They're like, hey, I got, uh, you know, a birthday dinner coming up. And so, okay, cool. So you come over to her house <laughs> and she lays out stuff that she knows might work for you. And she basically puts your she outfit you together a, for she's you. She's a stylist. Yeah. And then you put like a damage deposit down on it. And, and so I was like, it's a really cool idea. I was like, you should get an app and like get representatives basically who you, you know, because people huh. different sizes, different things. That's and, true. Get and, other people. Yeah. So I'm going to go spend 30 bucks tonight and they're going to tell me where to go because I am I can look at who's in my area and my size and they're going to help layout clothes for me and go you know pay 30 bucks for an outfit for that night so that was really really well, cool she needs idea like any like a guy who's maybe on the plus size <laughs> spectrum spectrum uh who wears mostly t-shirts and jeans that's perfect you should rent from her like the stretchy kind of jeans though <laughs> so i mean they could fit a, a number of sizes i did tell her that i the thing about it is I don't understand fashion. I just want to know the rules. And I, I understand that they're yeah, there. I, I just, definitely color between the lines. Y- yes. I want to know who's making the decisions. And I told her, I was like, look, you obviously are one of the influencers. Yeah. I was like, so you need to just, we need to do a social experiment because she's going to go to school for this. I was like, this could be a great like master's thesis or something and in, in whatever you're going to study. Like for real, it's, it reminds me, I told her, it reminds me of that old movie, um, um, can't buy me love. Oh right, where they play a prank. He's trying to learn how to dance, and they turn on the National Geographic channel, and he learns like the African anteater dance or whatever. Yeah, right. And he learns it thinking he's going to be cool, but he's so cool. The whole school starts doing the anteater dance, and, yeah. the, and the pranksters who are trying to you know bully him are like, "What happened?" And it's just the power of that suggestion. I was like, "So you should pick out something absolutely ridiculous." In fact, she said, "This is what was funny." Yeah. She works in the children's ministry, uh, volunteers children's ministry at her church, and they needed her to wear basically like this, um, it's like a jumper or something costume yeah. for the day, and she rolled up the, the pants, legs, and everybody loved it. Like it was not normal clothing, yeah. and they all wanted to wear it. Huh. So she like started a trend just by putting on what it, they needed her to wear that day. So Man. you should start some ridiculous trend that's obviously not good yeah. and see if we can get people to follow it you know because i, I don't i just don't understand how fashion trends begin somewhere out there there's yeah. a table of people it's like the fashion illuminati who are saying yeah. we're gonna do this right here and i want to know how the this loom and loom is spelled l-o-o-m and loom, the illuminati. oh my gosh i think we know what's going to be in the title fruit now. of the illuminati <laughs> they decide what underwear is going to be hot this year <laughs> So jumpers are weird to me, and I asked Curry about it. I was like, so these jumpers are coming back in. Are they jumpers or rompers? Rompers. Okay. Yeah. So rompers, and I was like, what? How do you? And she goes, you have to get naked to pee. Oh, yeah. And I go, why would you ever buy clothing? It would have to be the cutest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. I was a girl be like, I can't take how adorable this is. I have to wear it. But I also know that. I've got a tiny bladder, and I'm going to have to get naked three to four times a day. Every time I stop in at a, a truck stall, stop. Yeah, in a right. stall at a pilot. Right, right. No, no, thank you. Maybe they could put, like, snaps in the front like a onesie, like a baby. Or like a trap door, like the old, remember the old uh, Long Johns? Yeah, a trap door. It is, it's a trap is door. Is they call it? It's in the back, so it's like a little <laughs> trap door for, for your back end. Oh, my goodness. Son, I don't know. I'm just saying, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but... Yeah, I don't want fashion to 
hurt it just feels my so, life. Like it feels if it's that inconvenient, I don't I don't have any use for it. Like Laura will wear these incredible like high heels. I'm like, wow, you look great. She's like, yeah, my feet are killing me. Yeah, I was like, well, then don't do it. She's like, no, that is the cost. Mm-hmm. of wearing things that look like this and she's just okay with it i'm like you it's a good thing that you're a beautiful woman uh because me as just a normal looking guy i don't even have I, I, what, what, what could i do i don't care enough like if it hurts i'm like you know what i'm done you know like well, you I know just, some guys uh put lifts in their shoes shorter guys put lifts in their shoes because oh, yeah. it is a, it's like a, i think for guys it's a cultural thing too like shorter guys are disrespected maybe yeah um so they feel like i gotta I gotta heighten myself. I do kind of feel like that tall people get further along in life. Like when I when I'm in places with people who are who have done something worthwhile that we're going to write. They're almost about always tall. They're almost always tall. It seems like. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I mean, some. I've hit some barriers, uh, and you? I mean, literally ran into them because I'm <laughs> six you're four. So tall. No, I I don't know that, but I do think attractiveness. Like, there's been studies done that like attractive people are more likely to be promoted. They're more likely to whatever, yeah. make more money. Yeah, and maybe that's because, and who knows? It's the causation versus correlation argument. Did they have more confidence instilled in them because of the attractiveness that made them go after the promotion? Right. Or are they skating by on their looks? Like, it's hard to know if it's a blend of those two things. What do you think? Where Where do you stand, John? You're average. Or are you're, they, I would say I would say you're an average looking guy. Well, I appreciate that. I don't think you're good looking or ugly. And I'm saying that as somebody who I hate when guys pretend they can't see handsome. Sure. I don't know if Tom Cruise is handsome or not. Yeah, you do. Tom Cruise is handsome. Right. Stop it. Just basic rules. I don't know. Of- Jude Law, I guess he's okay. Jude Law is incredibly attractive. Stop it. Right. But I would say I would say I am somebody who's not distractingly ugly. Right. Nor am I like gorgeous. I would say that's one of my goals. I tell a lot. Yeah. I tell like I just I don't want to stand out for the yeah. wrong reasons. Which is why I don't take fashion risks. We're back to that. There you go. I don't, I'm gonna. I know that jeans match everything. So right. I'm gonna wear jeans or khaki shorts. Yeah. And I'm gonna put a t-shirt with it. And nobody's gonna. An eighth grader's not gonna make fun of me. That's my only goal today. Wow. I'm still afraid of eighth graders. Yeah. A lot happened to you in middle school. Didn't it did. It? Yeah. It's bad. It's bad, yeah. John. No, but I don't. I don't know. You know, the thing is. It, it, you know how you know is when you meet someone or you read a book or something about somebody and they're like, like s- strikingly intelligent. Yeah. And you can tell like, wow. And mm-hmm. you look at their picture and they're also good looking. And you're oh, like, you're, you're ups- it's upsetting. Like it's a real like, wow, uh-huh. you know, because um, it is upsetting because you feel like, wait a minute. Yeah. It feels it feels like the universe hasn't balanced out. properly. Right. And the deal is. The, the universe really doesn't care about looks, and that's no. all on us. And so, like, it's a, it, it shows my own bias that I'm almost not surprised. Yeah. But you do the. It would be easier if you're really good looking in this world. You think. Yeah. To not have to pursue such intellectual heights and all those things, but then that has that that comes with the caveat that all of us who are pursuing intellectual things must be doing so in order to get ahead of the other things that hold us back in life because we weren't naturally good looking or naturally athletic. And yeah. the truth is, I think you just have good looking people and you have people who are average looking and they already have predilections to things that they do or don't do and things they want to do. Do I think a person who's just extremely good looking, who also, you know, is, is sort of tilted towards academics or whatever, do, uh-huh. do I think it holds them back or I think that's going to be up to them like everybody else. I mean, if they choose to not yeah. exercise that 
But I know a lot of here's the deal. I know a lot of average looking people who also don't exercise their yeah, intellectual right. stimulation to move forward in life. Or but to, if we were generalizing, I would say that somebody let's say let's take somebody who's like uh, a cheerleader. Yeah. Or they grow up in their they're winning beauty pageants and they're cheerleader and they're kind of generally speaking, I would say like that person needs to develop a thing inside them where they still are going to fight for things. Yeah. Or they could, there'd be certain parts of their personality that could atrophy. I wish my wife was on here, you know, cause my wife was a cheerleader. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm saying generally there's not, there's exceptions that prove the rule. She, she was here. What I think she would say is, is she would talk about the fact that, um, number one, she'd never call herself attractive yeah. though. She's gorgeous. But she would say that there was just as much or more drama in that world, yeah, in the cheerleader world, and all those things. Like, if you listen to her, it's not like she had an enchanted no, no, existence. and I don't mean to. But we, yeah. but, but those of us who don't right. look like that or don't have those things, we kind of assume, mm-hmm. oh, but there's a whole nother world of drama in in that world between yeah. you know. And generally, they don't. Feel, people don't feel yeah. that way, even if they know. Okay, I'm considered to be this or considered to be that. I do think it, and again, she was very, um, I mean, she was going to be a doctor and she decided to go into nursing and, you know, just because she wouldn't have a life. I was going to be a doctor and then I uh, didn't go to college. Right. (laughs) That did, that did kind of detour the plan. It'll hamper things. It will. They Uh, look down, they frown upon people in the medical profession who didn't go to school. I was like, how hot do I make the soldering iron? They're like, you're way off. (laughs) You're so far off. (laughs) Did you even get your GED? And I did. Uh, no. Um, but no, I know what you mean. And I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm saying, gen- I'm generalizing because I think the great, here's the thing too. Uh, there's been an argument in comedy circles of like, why are women uh, perceived as less funny? Yeah. Uh, and there are fewer female comics just in general. Fewer, fewer females pursue comedy. And then so you have, then you have a lot of female comics. So if you just look at that number, then you go, okay, well, how many of them are going to be any good? Yeah. So it's going to be a smaller number than the great male comics just by how many people go into comedy. But then there are people who think female comics can't be funny. And they'll make this almost like an evolutionary argument to your point of earlier of if you grow up and you uh, – like guys try to be funny to impress a girl – Right. Almost I, like in an evolutionary way. I developed like this because I needed it. I have yeah. to, yeah, I need to attract a mate. And girls don't need to be funny. In fact, guys sometimes are threatened by funny women yeah. because we need to be funny. And I thought about this, too, when I do men's events versus women's events. Like I do a lot of men's conferences, and then I'll do women's, women's conferences. I love men's conferences, and I always get over. But I do it because I'm – I can think I can get over in a men's conference because I'm so honest. And I think there's a lot more men nowadays that like me than yeah. there used to be. In other words, I talk about how – I don't have guns and I'm not like the manly man. Right. Whereas before men's conferences, like if you did promise keepers back in the day, it was all kind of cheerleading. Like, right. we got to come back and be men. There's a lot more men like me now. that are like what you would call a beta male where I'm just like, look, I don't know what the noise is either in the middle of the night. Why don't you check on it? <laughs> and that's kind of the kind of joke I would make. Right. And, but there's a lot more guys that would laugh at that where in the beginning you're like, this guy's not even a real, you know what I'm saying? Right. So because of that, you have that same mentality. And I think there are guys who think, so when I do a men's conference, that's what I was getting at, uh, or any, any, let's say I do a mixed ages event and it's men and women in the audience. There'll be 10 people to come up to me and be like, I got a joke for you out of 2000 people. Mm -hmm. I got a joke for you. 10 times out of 10, It's it's a man. 
No women, no women ever feel the need to come up and impress you with a joke generally for uh, you, right? For me. And it's almost like a man sits in a crowd and thinks this guy's funny, but I'm funny too. Right. A woman doesn't have that same thing in my experience. Right. Now there are females that are funny, but even the females I know that are hilarious comics, they wouldn't do that. They don't have that wiring that goes, I got to go insert myself into this conversation. I'm not a part of and prove my worth. Yeah. Uh, like a caveman, like I got to pound my chest. Like women don't really do that. So I'm kind of fascinated by that just on a weird cultural. That is fascinating. Uh, it, wow. It really, really And I don't is. know if it's all true as far as the generalization that men develop a sense of humor and are better at it because we had to, because here we are with our less attractive, hairy faces and we need to attract a mate and you're all smooth and soft and beautiful. And we have to develop some skill to make you look our way. Yeah, I will say that that I remember early on in like middle school figuring out that I had words. Yeah. And that I could use words. You wait, wait, at middle school was when you figured out you had words. I'm saying I, I realized that I <laughs> that I could speak maybe a, yeah. a a little my vocabulary or my sentence structure or maybe colloquialisms a colloquialism <laughs> all of those things could like okay wow i could use this and make a girl laugh or yeah. or impress because i'm not gonna get them i mean i wasn't again i just wasn't one of the athletes i'd love to play sports but i wasn't gifted yeah. enough yeah you know to to do that um on the I wasn't going to be a starter. You know what I'm saying? John's so, putting up air quotes. Air quotes. A starter. A starter, per se. I did start one game, middle school football, but that's because the guy got bad grades and he got set down. Wow. <laughs> you were like Rudy, but yeah. <laughs> not at all. Exactly. I'm like Rudy minus the great ending. Um, <laughs> you were five foot nothing, hundred nothing, probably, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was a lineman, too. Oddly oh, enough. no. Yeah, offensive line. No, defensive lineman. Um, and so... But I remember, like, so I think to your point, there was things, but I think girls do that too. You start trying to figure out what it, what is it about me that's unique, or, or what do I have that I can use? Yeah. And and what we're trying to teach Sadie, you know, is about her intrinsic value outside of those things. Yet we want her, you know, she loves volleyball. She's she's doing ballet right now. She has extremely um, an, an extremely high vocabulary for her age. Yeah. And she retains words, you know, really well. Now, there's still that immaturity of being 11. Yeah. So there are times, you know, that she's not using it correctly, but you're still impressed with, with the sentence structure and yeah. the word choice. Like going, Trump. Huh? Like Trump. Right. You're like, man, he used that word wrong, but he used it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, conservative voters out there. I'm just ribbing you. I don't know if you meant the word Trump. No, like, no, no. I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> And so there's like, but but I think everybody at that age is trying to find like what is, and really at all ages, yeah, like what is it that sets me apart, or or you know, is going to let me find. And I think especially as the population continues to increase, like you realize, especially online, um, that to stand out is is way harder, if yeah. nothing else, because there's a lot more people doing a lot more of the same things and a lot more of of, u- of unique things. And so everybody's like, well, how am I? I mean, you, you think about, I remember when I, when I wrote my first uh, manuscript, I was 20 when yeah. I started it. And I had this thought. You were around. I, yeah. I think I said this. Uh-huh. I'll finish this book at 21 and I'll turn to you. We're eating Chinese buffet, no doubt. Oh, boy. And I was like, look, I don't know if it's going to get published or not, but how many 21-year-olds out there are writing manuscripts right now? Like, I didn't know any. 
Yeah. I knew no one. Right. Today, if I were to ask that same question, how many people in their 20s are writing manuscripts? The answer is hundreds of thousands. Probably. Like there's lots of people writing books. And that idea that, oh, I'm unique was really probably not even true then. Um, but you begin to pursue things in some ways because you knew no one else was doing it. So when you know everyone else is doing it, yeah. it's hard to tip your toe in that water. But do you think Sadie at an 11 is already trying to figure out what's special about her or is she trying to not stand out? Because I think when I was her age, my goal was to not stand out. Yeah. And then slowly it morphed into how do I show the world that I'm unique and I've got something that nobody else has? There's a balance. She certainly doesn't want to be pointed out for the wrong things. Yeah. But I think she would love to be recognized for something unique. I think I had some of that too. Yeah, you want, you want, yeah. Yeah, you want the, the applause. Yeah, like you don't want to – like again, I – I feel it for her and struggle for it. You know, yeah. Again, she's a fifth grader on a team of eighth graders, and she's starting varsity. So there's a there's a three year difference, and mm-hmm. then there's a bunch of JV kids who are sixth, seventh, and eighth who are you know that she's playing above just because she played a ton of club ball early, and she's a little more right. But she's not hanging out with these girls on the team who are hanging out together every day in school. Uh-huh. She's in elementary still, and they're in middle school. They're about to leave and be in high school next year, and she's yeah. going to enter middle school That's next big. year. So there's that big, big jump. Yeah. So I watch that going. So uniquely, everyone knows that she obviously has a skill that's a little higher, more developed. Most of the girls haven't started till now, and she just started earlier, and yeah. she's developing it. But then that it's that exact thing that we just said. Then I'm so worried, though, about what gets pointed out as different, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, because she is going to be more emotional, although yeah. they'll, they can cry on the court too, by the way. I remember for yeah. me, it was, uh, one of the things I remember the most from middle school is I was, I had really fair hair. I had very light colored hair, like yeah. almost pale blonde. Now it's faded into like an ash blonde, uh, and gray salt and pepper. Mm. But, um, I remember because of my really light hair I, that I was one of the last people in my class to get armpit hair mm. and it was it was really brutal. brutal yeah like you don't like you don't want to be the last per you don't want to be the first no because then you're a chewbacca yeah and you don't want to be the last and i was the last yeah and it was just like tiny little white hairs coming out from my underarms i'd be like look i'm still good yeah and because i remember i remember i was putting on deodorant one time and the guy was like why do you even bother oh wow big hairy you know, Isn't it funny how you remember that? One of like the, uh, the the guys who was like my same age, but somehow he's six foot tall already. He's got a deep voice, yep. wedding wedding ring, whatever. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's like, "Why bother?" And everybody laughed. And I was just like, "Guys, I have no control of this." I think for girls, it's the same with like boobs. Yeah, you know, like you don't want to be the first to get boobs, and you don't want to be the last to get boobs. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be terrifying as a as a female. And everything happens at different times for everybody, and yet there's supposed to be like this, you yeah. know, this semblance of um, a standard, and there is none. Yeah. You just, you know, it, it is it is terrifying that watching your kid approach or be in those things is. I don't know every parent. I don't think every parent. It, uh, someone said, uh, I forget who it was, that their our parents' generation raised us, but we think we're parenting. Like there's a difference. Like, oh right. Like it was not uncommon for me to just be out in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if I'm if I'm thirsty, I could go get a drink out of the, yeah. the water hose. Yeah. Every comic that I work with that has that kind of material of like when it was in our day, it's something like that. My mom would say something to me like. 
I don't want to see you again <laughs> until that streetlight comes on. You yeah. know, like that's that was the rule. Yeah. Now it's like play where I can see you, sweetie. Play where I can see you. Tim Hawkins says a bit of that. Sweetie, I can't see you. Play where I can see you. It used to be just like you get out of this house. Dude, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, part of it is the the world, I think, that we live in, especially when you have a daughter. Right, you're a little scared for them to be I, I, I have never yeah. told this story, but one day, Sadie was out playing volleyball by the net, and I was in the house. Because she plays volleyball just constant. Yeah. And I saw a car slow down and kind of hover in front of my house. Yeah. And, and just looking at her. Some huh. dude in a car. So I went and got in my car and followed him. What? And called the police. Yeah. And got his license plate number and followed him all the way down to I-40 and was hoping that he could see me behind him. Yeah. Because I caught up with him. I was like... And you never figured it out? I, mean, I let them know, hey, some dude's hanging out just, in front of my house. And, yeah. And, um, Maybe he was lost looking at an address. It, it, but honestly, could have been anything. Honestly, yeah. could have been anything. But yeah, you're a parent. But I took action. Oh, sure. Like, hey, no, you know, you're yeah. not, you know, and he may not even be looking at it. Yeah. So there's nothing. And, and did I tell her? No. So like I'm, I'm running this like, you know, yeah. I got the alarm system. I got the weapons. I got the, you know, and I trust the Lord. That's what you have to do or to drive you crazy. If you don't trust the Lord, like you, you cannot. Yeah. She's at school right now. I can't be there all the time. Yeah. And the idea that if I was there, I can protect from all those things. That's where I think our parents maybe have some wisdom here. They have a lot of wisdom here, but there is that like trying to hold everything. What do they call it? Helicopter? Parenting? They call it helicopter parenting. Yeah. But again, you just it, call it parenting. It's just funny, yeah, that it's yeah. that it's parenting and to them it was just we're raising kids. Yeah. Like stuff's gonna happen that we don't yeah. affect. Yeah. I think is, is there'll the be key. broken arms and broken yeah. and then you just gotta go fix them. Yeah, you it doesn't tape, mean tape I couldn't have been out together. There. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna it's gonna be they're gonna get sick. They're, I mean, you remember when a kid's got chicken pox and you just threw them all in the same room. Right. Get every right. kid in the neighborhood pox. over here so we can all get it at once. Pox parties. Yeah. And it's like now we're like You'd never do that. You know, you just, you, yeah. no, no, we're, we're going to isolate and stay away now for months on end until all this passes. Remember the Simpsons episode where Flanders did that? He brought t- his son Todd over because they, that way the park could give them both. And he's like, there'll be a pox on both our houses. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What a great line. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's a little bit different. And, but, and yeah, we, it's easy to look down the journey. It's like, oh, they aren't even, were they even there? Did they even, and, uh, yeah, like you said, there's wisdom to – I think there's wisdom to both ways. And we have to adapt. When you know there's – I mean, you literally can pull up an app on your phone and see how many pedophiles are in your neighborhood now. Right. Our parents didn't have that. Yeah. And what a freeing blessing in some ways for them mentally. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. I think that you you got to wonder, and I would love to see the stats, is there not a greater percentage of pedophiles, number one? Yeah. You know, it has the world truly gotten worse – in that respect, yeah. or if they would have had the app, would the percentages be the same? Right. Or, you know, like, has it, has it progressively? Yeah, I've heard that. You think about that too, like in the fifties when we think of it as so innocent, but was it, were people having, we just didn't know people just as crazy then, that, uh, as far as like people think like premarital sex or whatever. Right. Um, like I think, uh, the, the most recent study I read said that, uh, premarital sex has gone down, yeah. uh, in the last, in this generation, yeah. in the past like decade. So fewer fewer people, more people are waiting, or they're getting married. Yeah, uh, uh, it's interesting. There's a general sense, in my opinion, that that oh, teenagers are still teenagers, and and not. I don't mean that in a stereotypical way. I mean there's still chemical things changing. There's still yeah. there's still going to be that frontal cortex that gives you less um, warnings. 
right. than someone's brain who's developed into adulthood. You know, I think about some things I did as a teenager, you yeah. know, whether when I first had my car, I mean, we, I filled it up with people and I had these girls in the car from church and we were out in Hendersonville and there was these just train girls tracks. and you, I think it was all girls and me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I had this 1988 Plymouth Sundance, wow, nasty beautiful. old car. Yeah. And I come to these railroad tracks. There's like this huge hill railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I just looked at one girl up front. I was like, Hey, hold on. And I didn't say, I didn't tell the rest. And I just gunned it and just jumped the tracks. Like just, I mean, I flew. So there was like, no train coming. Like, you just correct. thought, I'll just, ramp it. Just Dukes of Hazard that ramp, you know. Yeah. And of course, flew everybody around in the car, and they were all laughing. And like, I, we did stuff. Yeah. Especially you could have died. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I, that, if my kid does that, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. You know. And of course, she's going to. Right. She's going to take dumb chances. Mm, no. You no. don't think? Uh, no. I'm sorry. <sighs> I will say that was to my point. This generation has more evidence of what can go wrong. That's true. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe with the premarital sex or with other things that this generation doesn't... The overload of information makes them more wary, maybe? Correct. There's a lot more anxiety about stepping out into those kinds of things. Like, the number of kids who don't want their driver's license at 16 is off the charts. Yeah. When I... I mean, literally... The day, yeah. Now I you was go, you go on your birthday and begging my parents when I could to drive without a license yeah. to go do something. Uh-huh. And so, like the day I got it, like that was a rite of passage. We there was eighties movies about it, nineties yeah. movies. Like you go get your license and you immediately throw yourself out into yeah. the abyss. And, and and now it's like they ha- they know enough of what could go wrong. To, to feel they've seen the videos on YouTube of the horrible car crashes and, and people. We didn't have all that. Like no. we kind of heard stories. This is dangerous, but we didn't have the visual still felt evidence. Invincible. Yeah. yeah. And I think that they, but I, maybe, but YouTube, I always think of it's the opposite. Like when you see the YouTube videos of the kids skateboarding down the rail and breaking his sternum, that it's like, as long as I'm filming it and I get famous from it, yeah. I always feel like, does it encourage those or discourage? I don't well, know. Well, that probably has to do with what kind of kid is Yeah, how are you me. wired? Yeah. Right. If you're wired to want to, again, I'm kind of wired counterphobic. If I see something and I know it could be scary, yeah. my first inclination is to do it so I'm not scared anymore yeah. of it. Like, huh. so I never look at a roller coaster and go, oh man, I'll never do that. I go, I don't like feeling afraid of that roller coaster. The only way to get through that is to go do it. Yeah, but you don't look at a handrail and think, I'm going to get on there on rollerblades. Well, no, because like, then my frontal cortex developed. It's like, now yeah. I just go, I know what happens yeah. if I do that. But you'd still ride the roller coaster because you feel like it's safe. Because, right, there's a, there's a limit. Because I'm sure they know what they're doing, Absolutely. even though they probably got a whole box of bolts left over. <laughs> look at these. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than last year. <laughs> No, I don't know. With Sadie, it's funny because she does. She will be nervous about things, right. and, I, and I try to push her. So I'm the parent. I'm the helicopter parent saying, no, You no, want her to conquer her fear. Yeah. You have somebody that's fearless. I don't want her to have to go through life, yeah. yet I want her to also be cautious and aware you know, of what to— Yeah, that balance is too hard, it's, man. It's very, very difficult, and I don't think I strike what it. Are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to be rightly afraid of? Right. A healthy fear of. Like, I'm thinking about getting a motorcycle again. You know, I had a big, like, maxi scooter, which was like 650cc. It's like a big automatic motorcycle, basically. It's called a Suzuki Bergman. And then we we rode it for three seasons. And then I was like, I got rear-ended in my car uh, out driving with my brother one time. He was in town. And we just, this person was texting and driving and rear-ended us at a traffic light and caved in my trunk. And I sold the scooter like a month later because I was like, if I'd been on the bike, yep. that's death. You're launched. 
And this year I've seen people out on their bikes. And I'm like, man, that looks so fun. Yeah. You know, I've lost a little weight. It's like, oh, that'd be fun. Because that's the other thing about a motorcycle is you're kind of exposed. So mm-hmm. if you're like heavy, it's like, there's a fat guy on a motorcycle. You feel like those fat twins from the Guinness book, you know? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew it was coming. So you don't want to be that. But now I'm like, I feel pretty good. I think I'm a, and I want one again. And now we've passed this texting law. So I'm like, maybe that'll help some. Yeah. But I'm mitigating that risk. And But honestly, there's a healthy fear you should have of yeah. a motorcycle. And I don't need a motorcycle. Yeah. I should be surrounded by metal protecting me and airbags. Yeah. But what I want is the freedom of the open road, John. There is something to be said about... I don't know what the right thing is. Right. The, the, I don't know yeah. if there's, there's a healthy, like, okay, I look at... So, for example, if I was... if this, You're going to laugh at this. The way my brain works, yeah. if I didn't have kids, I'd be more likely to get a motorcycle. Right. I get that. Because then wanna, I think about it. You're not it. orphaning somebody. Sadie is the reason that I wear my seatbelt. So you're saying since I don't have kids... Here's my thing. Let's always take Curry out with me. That way it's like a clean break. Right. We just wipe out the Wethingtons. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we're done. You're not leaving your... What you don't want to do is be maimed. No. You know? And that could happen. I don't think I could afford to be maimed. No, but it is so funny. When I'm driving, I will sometimes forget my seatbelt. I'm sorry, listeners. But when I look over... You don't have a ding, ding, ding that goes off? In a, in a 1996 T100? No. Wow. And so I'll look over and see Sadie, who always puts hers on, and yeah. I'll think to myself... If something happens to me because I was stupid enough not to wear my seatbelt and she has to go through life without a dad, yeah, I, I'm not doing it because I'm afraid. Yeah, like I probably should be afraid. That's a healthy fear. I'm doing it because I'm afraid of what There's happens to her. Responsibility. Yeah, and that that's a weird like. She's leading this family now. That's what I. That's well, what I'm, I'm hearing thinking. from that. She's the responsible. <laughs> Is that what one. you heard? Yeah. From that? <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, but but there but then there's that like you can't and we talk about fear a lot um, in our kind of recovery process uh-huh. and my methodology for fear and I, I realize now that I'm wired this way this uh-huh. counterphobic way but it's always been when I'm counseling somebody who's struggling with fear is to um, and even when I speak on fear I do this sometimes I don't know if it's healthy or not this is just the way I approach it <clears throat> is to help you understand how afraid you actually should be but you're not. Yeah. Like if you actually looked at life, like, okay, somebody's afraid of flying, you yeah. know? And so, and I have several friends. So you make them more afraid of the other things to show them? Well, to say it's a false sense of security that you're not afraid to get in a car. Yeah. And so if you can realize... and Then, then they just stay inside and, forever. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. There's a fine line here. Yeah. Like I try to tie it to the gospel. Like, okay, look, it goes back to, it goes back to the way we look at God. It really, really does. We look at God as if he is coming in and out of our lives when yeah. we notice something good or something bad happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, let me read you the scripture because this one really is, is perfect for it. I realize that that's not actually the nature of God. And when I'm aware of the nature of God, then it changes the way I look at it. It says this in um, Colossians one seventeen, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and... He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so, like, if you see this whole, and again, we sort of are almost like deists in our in our world. Yeah. That, okay, God's spinning things in motion. Yeah. And, He's um, the watchmaker. He made the yep. watch, wound the watch, and now he let it go. He let it go, and occasionally he rewinds it whenever my life is in trouble and I reach out. Yeah. But if I think he upholds the universe by uh-huh. what he's speaking and saying right now, and that 
all things are being held together by him actively. It's that whole Chesterton, Chesterton thing we've referenced before that he retains childlike wonder. He, he repaints yeah. every sunrise and sunset uniquely different every time. Every baby born is a miracle of yeah. his power. Every animal born, every dove, and Jesus used this, every, every sparrow that falls, he's aware of. Every hair on your head, David said. So if you get into that theological place, yeah. then you begin to realize in its relation to fear uh-huh. that every time I don't die driving from here to my house, which is about two and a half miles, God did that. Yeah. Like every time that I breathed in this podcast without just keeling over and having a heart attack, God did that. Yeah. Huh. Like, and if it becomes active like that, then I go, okay, number one, I know who to be grateful for. I'm, I become way more grateful for just yeah. normal everyday life. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I find myself. Yeah. There was a person who, the person who wrote life is beautiful. Remember that movie? Like in the nineties, yeah, it was yeah. about the Holocaust. Uh, Bertolini, I think was his name. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the first name, but anyway, he was talking about his family were Holocaust survivors and he said, I've become so grateful for a boring evening at home. Yeah. You know, it made him so, cause like, you know, he'd been in prison camps. Well, hello. And that's the greatest generation coming yeah. home from World War II. Yeah. Grateful to have a, a, right. a peaceful, um, suburban yeah. life, you know, where you're not getting shot at and they've, you know, that... I think that we do. We we grow entitled or grow bored or we just you, – you just – and again, I'm not, I'm not putting us down for that. Sometimes you, you can't know what you don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't want a world war or a civil war or a holocaust to have to reveal those things to me. I do think that scripture reveals a lot of those things to me if I'll pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to being afraid, like, you know – but again, I also work logically first. That's where things start with me is logically and they move to, to feeling and to doing. Everybody's not that way. And I realize that my logic doesn't mean that to them necessarily. Yeah. But for me, if I feel anxious or afraid of something, I just remember, wow, I just drove on I-40 in traffic from here to Nashville. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know where this really started playing into my life is was as a bus driver. So I'm a CDL. Right. I would have 50 kids on a bus yeah, driving across the country, yeah, and I lives. feel the weight of right. them behind me. Uh-huh. And all I can, and I realize these cars could weave over here. I can go as slow as I. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I can't sit here and be terrified the whole time. It actually makes me drive worse. I'm gonna have to lean into Jesus here. And bad stuff happens. And here's, mm-hmm. here's the thing: the reason we don't want to say God did that, God did that, God did that, is then when something bad happens, we go, "Well, then God did that." So there is this mysterious balance of, well, God does allow bad things to happen. And also, uh, there is also a part of this world that God has wielded to us, that we wielded to our enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy us. And God is actively preventing him from doing it all the time. But yet, he's not fulfilled the finality of that plan where that won't be allowed ever. Yeah. So there is like this allowance of those things. That we don't like that. That makes God unjust. We go, well, yeah, but guys, God didn't do that. Like mm-hmm. God allowing good things to happen is the miracle of grace <laughs> because technically the day that we that, – that the earth was given over by Adam and Eve and then by all of us subsequently since, technically the day we did that, we lost the right to any good thing. Yeah, and so the fact that God said, "Hey, the day you do that, you're going to die, but I'm going to let you live this physical life, and you know, and I'm going to redeem that spiritual yeah. death," like that was the miracle that we're all still living in, and yeah. we don't have any gratitude for that. For yeah, I part. think C.S. Lewis or one of those guys said something like that, like 
when he would debate people, somebody would say, explain all the evil in the world. And he would say, you have, you need to explain all the good in the world. Yeah. You know, the burden of proof is on both of us. Exactly. You know, it is a balance. Uh, and there are tough things. It's hard to explain child leukemia. It's tough. That's yeah. a tough one. But explain the good. You can't, it's, you can't explain away the good with the other hand while you're trying to defend. Uh, and so that's what's the hard part. Uh, to me, th- the older I get, I feel smaller. And I think when you're a kid, you feel kind of invincible. And then you get over that pretty quick. You do something that you go, wow, I could have ruined my life there. Yeah. I had a car accident when I was uh, 18. I wrapped a, my 73 Buick Electra around a telephone pole uh, after hydroplaning back and forth on a curvy road, wet, mm. and uh, almost killed me and my best friend at the time. And it was one of those things of like, oh, wow, I can destroy my life. It was a very humbling moment. Yeah. And when I started doing comedy, it was like, you need to be fearless to make it work. But then I was raised with this, almost this theology of like, God has given you something to do. And if you don't do it, it won't get done. Yeah. And the pressure of that was so intense that I translated it to some of what I was doing. And the older I get, I feel like I have a very small role to play and it it's freeing to let some of that go this idea that like it won't get done if i don't do it oh it's absolutely. like pressure we put on ourselves it's unnecessary if i i mean first of all it's an, almost an arrogance to it sure like i've been put here because like that there's an comes, american idealism it in comes it. out of that for yeah. such a time as this from esther mm-hmm. you know you hear that parade over people you've been put here for such a time as this and we glorified into this manifest destiny thing of yeah. you're the one, you're Neo from the Matrix. Right. And we give this self-aggrandized version of ourselves. And that's a lot of pressure that goes with that. And then if we put it on our kids who aren't ready yeah. to handle that, that's even worse on a kid. Yeah. But even adults aren't equipped to really deal with it. So I think feeling small is probably way better. Not so small that you go, well, it doesn't matter if I make these horrible choices and, and that affect other people many times. But let yourself off the hook that, like, if you don't do it, it won't get done. There's no way you can work under that pressure. No. And I think it's not – and again, yeah, there's that balance between realizing that – I said this to the church in the message. You may have been here the other day. Like, we are so defensive as Christians online and on our marquees and on our T-shirts and, and – even in person against all of the hot button issues, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. And we just um, rant and rail against whatever it may be that uh, is, is counter to our belief systems. But we do so to an extent that it almost, I think we believe if we don't, then the darkness wins. Yeah. And that's, that is misplaced theology. And it's misplaced grief. Yeah, it's to a, put yourself through. Yeah, that's the whole don't. That's if a god. If I don't make this fifth gun control argument, right? Then uh, they're going to all come. It's going to be Ruby Ridge all over the world. They're going to all come. The government's going to take over. Well, you end up expressing something in an attitude and a tone that is actually counter to the father's attitude and tone. Yeah. Yet you do it thinking you're defending what is important to the father. I was. I'm working on a book now and talking about the prodigal and, and that hit me in writing yesterday um, that the older brother who had feigned respect yeah. for the father because he had stayed 
And by the way, I never really realized this. The author pointed this out. If you read that, when the younger brother got his inheritance early, the older brother got his too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah he divided it among both. And so the older brother had everything he wanted but, as well. But lived at home too. But he stayed and, and stayed <laughs> faithful to the father's work. Yeah. So he thinks. He's about the work of the father. Well, the work, the main work of the father was to accept the, the younger son mm-hmm. back home. And when, when he literally refuses, the Bible says, to go into the party that his dad's throwing. And his dad has to come out of the party to talk to him and to reason with him. And he says a bunch of disrespectful stuff to the dad. And he has no idea. He, he thinks he's defending a respectful attitude towards the father. Right. You understand, and he even says, that son of yours. So he's disowned the prodigal right. as his brother. Mm-hmm. That son of yours, that son of yours has done this and that and this. He's dead to me. He means nothing to me. Not realizing that calling the other son dead to the father is the most disrespectful thing to the value system of the father that can be. So you literally, though, don't know it. You're speaking yeah. to the father disrespectfully about someone else being disrespectful to the father and don't see the irony of it. And I think that's what we do in this culture. We become so defensive of a position that we literally tear down the highest position of the father and then wonder why people don't equate the father with the grace of and the gospel that is his greatest work in this earth yeah and don't get it well that's because that (laughs) we're older brothers right now like we're we're literally railing against the wrong thing as if the father's not about a work greater than like you said gun control or pick whatever those things are i'm not saying they're not important i'm just saying that that's not necessarily yeah it shouldn't be necessarily your hill to die on Nationalism. We've talked about those mm-hmm. those things, like all those things that like got conflated with uh, the Christian faith over the years. And enough deconstruction is happening in a good way. There's some deconstruction happening in a bad way. That's just like any old mule can kick down a barn, you know. <laughs> but show right. me show me a mule that can build one. That's what I'm saying. Like, so yeah. I don't like necessarily just deconstruction for its own se- sake. But I will say some deconstruction of these like we talk about the twin trees that somehow got braided together of church and country, God and country. You even see it. You hardly see it. I mean, there's book titles, God and country, God and I believe in God and country. Uh, And it's like, we've conflated like, okay, but you understand one of those is way bigger than the other. Yeah. One's based on imaginary lines, literally imaginary made up lines that rich white landowners made up, and that's what you're going to die on? That's what you're going to spend all of your days on Facebook railing about? Not me. I just can't. I'm over it. I mean, you're right about the arguments. It starts off, you're defending an idea, you're defending an idea, and you feel so self-righteous in it. And then if you look at these comment threads, they almost always descend into like ad hominem attacks where you're just attacking the person. Well, clearly you're an idiot. Right. It, It almost always goes there. (laughs) <laughs> or one calls the other one a racist or, you know, that's yeah. just the, that's your get out of, get out of the argument free right. card. I don't have to have any intelligent online. discourse now. <laughs> right. right. I've dropped this. Yeah. So it's like when you know it's going to go there, it's like, man, we just should just waste less time on that stuff. Well, and that's what I told the church. Like, guys, here's the deal. Jesus is going to accomplish his plan and his mission for this earth with or without us. Mm-hmm. And it is liberating. Back to your previous early comment. Like, yeah. that's so liberating for me is to say, like, you know, it's not like God's going well. I mean, before the foundations of the world, he knew all of this and the plan. But it's like, mm, boy, if I just could have got John 
right. to do this. Well, sorry, you know, and, and, and I think Christians feel that pressure and that's why they feel the need to fight. They feel the need to, they don't realize, and, and I've done it too. And, and when I sit back and go, man, I don't change a soul. I don't change a heart. God wants to use me in the process as he changes souls and yeah. hearts. And you know, the one he wants to start with is mine. So that's what I'm responsible for is allowing that in me. And and when that's happening in me, he will naturally, almost like a seed falling off a tree, like it will naturally produce other things because it's there and it's, and it's happening as opposed to this conjured. I mean, my gosh, uh, we wrote about that. Like, man, we'll go take a missions trip somewhere mm-hmm. and, and then literally – as long, but if you cross our border, right? Like the same people, yeah. we don't realize that we're this duplicitous. Yeah. We'll spend two thousand dollars to go to Panama, but if a Panama person wants to come here, we're like, they better not want health care, right? Because they're taking it from us. You're like, and again, this is and and, and 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 just to say it, this is Johnny and I right now are not discussing immigration. Yeah, I'm discussing, we're discussing yeah. Christianity. Yeah, it's just like you the know, idea that like what trumps your mindset do you eventually default to your christian ideals or are you going to tow a party line that says invaders are afoot and we have to hold like at some point those two ideals collide they must collide yeah if your faith never collides with your politics with your family with your relationships with what is it then It's, it's it's nothing but a stated belief system on paper like if my faith doesn't affect how i treat people driving down the interstate like it, it has to. Like when I find myself really frustrated and I can't go, wow, I shouldn't have yelled at that little old lady. That's my f- that that's that's my belief in Christ and his work in my life. You go, well, that's dumb. Guys, the moment that anything small is dumb related to who I am, then what do I have really? Right. I have yeah, a philosophical viewpoint. I don't have an actual transformational. I remember when I first started hanging out with you and you had road rage issues a lot. <laughs> And uh, you're always swerving in and out, and you're angry. And then you said it was bothering you a lot, and you're like, what I've decided I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for the people who do dumb things in traffic. So, But then it would become this, like, under your breath, you'd be like, Lord Jesus, bless this idiot for not signaling. It was so funny to me. Like, you would be like, well, that's a step in the right direction, right? Lord, give this woman sense. God, for what reason did you create this absolute <laughs> moron in front of me? I don't know, Lord, why you did it, but I trust in your sovereignty. I used to do what my dad would do, which is call the person by their car's name. Oh, Mr. Corolla doesn't need brake lights. <laughs> I do that. Yeah. I do that with their license plate. Yeah. Especially if they're out of state. Oh, look here, Iowa. You know, like I'm, I'm speaking to... They're the entire state of Iowa. Right. Is represented by that person. <laughs> it's so funny but i'm sure it's gotten a lot better since then i don't know i don't it has gotten a lot better you want to know why it got better you're gonna laugh is when well you don't want sadie seeing you that way Well, it's not just that Uh, sadie has seen it and apparently (laughs) then sadie began doing it like age five like i'd be like we come to a traffic jam she's like oh what is up with these morons i'm like oh man where'd she get that oh that was me. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, my gosh. Hide under a You've bushel. raised a monster. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sadie's going to be driving in four years. Uh, Sadie's going to be driving in five years. I will, I will appreciate it if you... you don't, 15 is not when they get the permit? Oh, she'll get a permit, but come on. That's driving. 
Yeah. What's the permit for? Just to carry out on the wallet? She's going to be driving. You just turned my beard a little more gray. Four like years. Right then. Less than four years, because she's turned 11 when? I mean, just, just in July. So, I mean, we're, if the clock's ticking. I will bro. put it this way. We are discussing vehicles right now in my house in terms of, because I have some old cars, and it may be time to get some less old cars. I'm not going to call them but new. But you give her the old car. Well, that's the idea. I couldn't give her the old car I have now. No. Like, it'll literally be 25 years old or so. Yeah, but it's, it's still running. Yeah, but I really want something safer for her. Oh, come on. Uh, and so the deal is we're now thinking about getting cars that I can pass down. So I'm there. I'm there. They're like, oh, I could drive this for the next four to five years and then, and pass, then it pass it. And that's a crazy idea that I'm, yeah. that I'm there yeah. thinking about that. I had that thought the other day about my niece, who's also 11. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, the, car I was, the car I have now, I'm like, well, I may move on from that's like, I probably just need to keep it and then... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know, though. I, I'm thinking about doing, you know what Dave Ramsey does? He does the 401. He counts his millions? Four, <laughs> he calls it 401 Dave, okay. which is his kids. He matched whatever they could raise by the time they were 16. Oh, that's a cool thing. And it's name. a great idea. 401 Dave. Yeah. So my name's not Dave, so I got to come up with something 401 better. 401 John. I, gotta, I don't know. Um, I don't know <laughs> something about pudding. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, and I have told her that whatever you raise, I'll match. But then yeah. I kind of feel like I don't want it. What if she becomes irresponsible and she only afforded an unsafe car? So now I'm, I'm in, so I'm, oh, I'm in right. like, again, inception. She's gonna get now, a junkie car. Like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and buy you something well, safe no, from knows, my peace of mind. No, she could, but I mean, you know, I'll buy her something not expensive and ugly. How about that? That's well, how's really she safe. raising this money between now and then? Oh, Babysitting? What would she be doing? She'll have to do something. Johnny, that's you want me to helicopter and figure that part out too? God, hey, man, man, why is your kid so lazy? So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, right now, we're just trying to get her to take care of her dog that's trying to ruin our lives. Oh, but Ace, Ace is the listen, cutie. don't be deceived. He may be the cutest dog that ever was, yeah. but he will bite your face right off. Will he? And then he'll go pee in the bed and laugh at you. He's oh, the only he dog ever. He pees in your bed? He tries to pee everywhere, and he acts better for Laura than for me. And I'm sorry. i got to go to the airwaves First of all, this. the fact that you think dogs laugh, that's funny to me. I, they, this one does. He knows exactly. <laughs> He's diabolical, man. And I'm getting up at like 2 a.m. to take him out because we're crate training him now. Yeah. And so that's the – I'm telling you, man. It's a um, – it's hard. It's hard with Ace right now. And he's really good for Laura because she works from home. So she's there and she's frustrated because yeah. the rest of us, he doesn't like, she'd be like, well, he didn't have one accident today. And then she'll go out and have five accidents on me. And I took him outside. You and know, watched at five, him. it's probably not an accident anymore. That's what I'm saying. He's purposefully doing this. Yeah. He is finding a way to produce urine and feces just, just to get it's under my skin. A spite poop. Yes. The worst kind of poop. And he'll look at me with these little, these little beady oh, eyes. Wow. See, yeah. normally dogs don't make eye contact when they're pooping because they mm. feel shame. It's like a weird sense of shame. Mm-mm. You ever notice that? Like if my dog's out in the yard, I try not to like look directly at them because they'll be like, it spooks them. Mid poop, wow. they'll run in the house. Wow. You know, and, but yeah, so your dog is looking at you. It spooks them. <laughs> your dog. <laughs> Your dog is spitefully staring you down while it poops in your house. He's like, I'm doing this, and there's not a thing this you can is, do about this it. This is happening. Yeah. And when mom comes home, I'll be a perfect angel. But it's just a little bit of poop, right? It's a tiny dog. A little bit of poop in all the corners, though. Listen, we don't want poop of any sort that's not in a toilet So he's going to the yard. corners now? That's something? Johnny, don't defend him. See, everyone wants to do that. I'm sorry. He's the cutest dog ever. Let he me tell you something. Cute. He's like a little, he's like an Ewok 
in the battle scene. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's not a cute Ewok. Right. He's like taking the big logs and throwing them at me, if yeah. you know what I mean. It, you know what literally. I'm saying? <laughs> You're on your land speeder trying to go by. No, what, what are those things? Were those land speeders? I think they were. We already had uh, Star Wars corrections from last week. Did anybody the R2- volunteer the R2? Josh Lehew, who I mentioned yeah. in the thing, I, I knew that he would know. He knew the guy's name that was in the R2D2. Did he notes? tell us why he needed to be in there? He just said technology was there, but they said, he said something like, if it's two legs, they needed him in there. If it's three legs, they didn't need him. And I was like, I don't understand. How could it be two legs? Because he's not holding it up with his legs. I don't know what's well, going Tony, on. Two legs don't make a right. They don't. Wait. I mean, unless it's... I don't think there's somebody in BB-8. That's two. No, that's what I'm saying. That's They'd a, be a really contortionist busy. in there. Yeah. I don't know, man. Listen, I love Ace, just for the record. Oh, I love the dog. But I'm going to love... And he bites a lot. But he's teething. He is, and so I put... But then he's They're like, not vicious bites. He's just... They don't break the skin mm, or anything. They're sharp, those little puppy oh, yeah. teeth, though. Like, he made my ear bleed. Oh, man. Because he'll start licking your face, and then he'll see the little dangling earlobe and just think, oh, I can oh, get that. A, Look at that. Treat. It's a treat. Yeah. And go for it, you know. That's a snossage. So, um, but I, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But it's not it's not easy right now in the driver house with the dog. So, and that's hard, too. It's like, hey, Sadie, this is your dog. You know, we need you to, but we got to put her to bed, too. That's got, you got to tie that to her allowance and the 401 Dave. I'm already, I paid for the dog, and now i got to pay the kid an allowance to take care of the dog I paid yeah, for? you do. And i got to pay for the car? Yeah. I don't think you're thinking this through. But I love <laughs> parenting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we love that you listened and spent an hour with me and Johnny today uh, talking about lots of things. And uh, Too I, many things. I enjoyed our conversation today. I did, too. Very nice. It was good. It was good. Uh, be sure to subscribe, and be sure to send this and share this and tell Write friends a about it. Take yeah. a minute, write a review. It means a lot. It does. It, it helps, helps us. Yep, helps other people who are trying to figure out if they want to listen or not. Because, you mm-hmm. know, it's a pretty crowded market out there in the podcasting world. And so you can help Everybody's us got a market. podcast. That's right. Uh, but can everyone say they've done 76 episodes? No. Most of them. Most. But it's okay. So, yeah. But can they say that they have Johnny W.? A couple of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, wow. We're not unique at all. But no, we do, we do appreciate all the unique things you guys send us to talk about. So send us your ideas and questions you have. Follow Johnny. Help him continue to rebuild uh, the horribly destroyed social media. Decimated oh Instagram following. They just took him down. Build it back. And uh, he was just too important. Someone had to take him down a notch. Yep. He was affecting global affairs. Yeah, like if it was a murder, it would have been a call an assassination. Exactly. That's how famous I am. Somebody assassinated Johnny's Instagram account. <sighs> so... Uh, you can help build a new one and uh, be part of that. And you can also follow me on social media as well. Uh, well, we didn't mention what happened. We didn't mention that. Isn't that great? We'll have to tell them next week what happened in uh, my writing role this week. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good yeah, tease. We'll that's it, what we yeah. call a tease in podcasts. Yeah, in podcast. I'm glad we're not talking about it out loud in front of them. They can't hear anything we're saying. But hey, you can hear more that we're going to say, though, next time on Talk About That. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.